Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our second graders can read the word Areopagus. Holy smokes, who would have thought that? Most, oh, you, you can sit down, you're good. But I want to ask you if you can read a little bit more. Can you read a little bit more for me? Well, good, that's one, that's solid today. See, you can see that you have good second grade eyes. Can you read that with me a little bit? Let's, let's read. This is Colossians 2, verses 6, 7, and 8. And then it starts with, so then. Can you pick up with me there? Okay, let's go. One, two, three. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That's so good. They read so well. Mr. Well, Mrs. Todd, Mrs. Meyer, Mrs. Torres. Man, can those kids read? It's one of the things we do really well. I mean, I love it. What a marvelous thing to hear from the hearts of children. Stay rooted, built up, and grateful. Those three pieces of life are so powerful to have that, that your lives are rooted in something other than just the moment that you're being built up in something that's richer and deeper than fantasy football standings, and that the, the marvelous outpouring in your life of something bigger and grander in yourself in thanksgiving makes us bigger, more resilient, stronger people. And it starts here in our school for them and, and for your other children for, as it has for over 140 years. And I love that because we live in a time where content is everything. There is content for everything. He wasn't kidding about YouTube video. He wasn't kidding about taking screenshots. It's just right there for you. There's content everywhere. This last week, I, I went to a conference and they talked about using AI for preaching. <laughs> Little do you know. <laughs> right? If you put Disney princess... And Colossians chapter 3, you end up with this sermon at the end that says, and Jesus is just like Elsa. No kidding. Content. How do you make sense of all the content and not be worn out and, and lose this transcendent, rooted sense of peace? Well, the Colossians had to figure that out because as Alexander Hamilton once said, and others have said since him, those who stand for nothing fall for anything. I listened to a podcast this week that said, never has it been more critical in the history of the world to raise children with a, a, a sense of um, peace and tranquility because the world is such a dissonant, anxious place. When I came to St. John's 32 years ago, it took me five years to save for a house. On my house, I borrowed $10,000 from St. John's. I cobbled together another five grand, and I bought my house for the ridiculously outrageous price of 
$210,000. Unreal. I think of how complicated and sophisticated our lives are. It's not easy. In In a way, 140 years ago, it was easier to raise children. You said it and they did it. And they didn't have access to so much content where they needed wisdom to kind of filter through it all. And while the ranchers were busy, they they had their church and their community and all of those things to be rooted into. And the community of our congregation is robust, maybe even then a little bit more close-knit than it is today because people are so fractured as a function of the culture. But Alexander Alexander Hamilton's words speak to my heart this morning, those who stand for nothing fall for anything. And so the words that the children read from Colossians chapter 3 verses, uh, Colossians 2 verses 6, 7, and 8 talk about being rooted in Christ. It takes a long time for roots to go down, but without the roots, You can't handle the Santa Ana winds. You can't handle the hurricanes that blow through Southern California. You you can't handle the hot days or the cold days. Without the roots, the plant perishes. And so Paul knows what he's talking about here to the church he started. He said, you've been rooted in Christ. He said, I came and preached the gospel to you. I told you the whole story, the whole narrative of, of Jesus. From beginning to end, I told you the whole thing so that you would be rooted, so that your lives wouldn't be rooted in Stoic philosophy, so that your lives wouldn't be rooted, rooted in Roman culture or the idolatry that went with both Greek and Roman culture, but that you would be rooted in Christ, in Christ, because only to be rooted in Christ Or to be rooted in Christ alone is what drives that sense of transcendent peace. And at the end of this message, at the end of the message, I want you to be linked and dialed in to a sense of peace that is beyond your own understanding. And that starts with being rooted in Christ. We go overboard to teach you in our culture and to teach the children in our schools and to work in family ministries to to root the children, to root the families in the Lord's story. Because from beginning to end, you are drawn into that narrative of God. From in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to the end where Jesus says, and I am coming back, amen and amen. Everywhere in between, is God's plan working in and through families like ours, congregations like ours, people groups like ours, and using the lives of His people because He loves them to bring about the person of Jesus and His love for you and me. And so the students learn the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, They learn the stories of David and Solomon and the kings and all of that. They they learn about the prophets who foretold the birth of Jesus. And when we get to Christmas, they're going to do their peace and they're going to have this and they're going to talk and say and sing and all of those things because that story of Jesus and the birth of Christ where God came down into history, rooted himself into humanity And the message in the story was left with Paul and the apostles. 
And that story was left in grandma and grandpa. My grandparents who led my parents to Christ and my parents led me to Christ and my wife and I led our children to Christ and my children are leading our grandson to Christ. Rooted. Rooted in the story. Without that narrative, we just kind of blow around, right? Whatever, from thing to thing, from piece of content to piece of content, from this little philosophical piece, that political piece, this economic piece, to to all the little things in the world that just grab your attention for a nanosecond and then flit away. But the story of God working in the lives of people has staying power. From the very beginning to the very end, the central narrative, being rooted in that means we're not going to fall for deception. And people who stand up and say, but, 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 wait, 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 I just thought of. Now we're rooted in the story of God intersecting in the lives of people. And our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ and as people rooted in this great congregation is to bring that next generation to have their roots deeply in the soil of God's love. Rooted. If you're not rooted, you're going to blow away. And the wind right now is blowing and howling maybe more fiercely than it's ever howled in the last 500 years. And so it becomes critical to be rooted in by faith to God's narrative of the world, to understand who we are, what we do, and what it all means. Rooted. Rooted. And then Paul talks about being built up and strengthened. In the reading that the little guy read from the gospel, I just love that. He's closer to the disciples' age than I am, that's for sure. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, Christ, Christ alone. If we ask the students the narrative of Jesus, they're all over it. They could tell you the whole story, but I'm going to ask them something in a little bit. Can you think about, well, wake up, you're doing good. I want you to think about something you're thankful for. And I'm going to come back in about 25 minutes and I'm going to ask you what you're grateful for, okay? Think about that. What, what day do we have where we eat pumpkin pie and turkey? Thanksgiving. Yeah. Think about what you're grateful for. Built up and strengthened in faith. We're built up in the mercy of the Lord. And through the course of time, through the narration of our lives, we experience the mercy of Jesus. Mercy is when you could put it on somebody, when you could say... I'm going to let you have it. And instead of letting them have it, you relent and you find a way to make and and work it out, offering them a way out instead of thumping it to them. It's like when your son is going bonkers on his way home from school and he's all jacked up. And a phone call comes in from work on your phone and it says, and you're like, and instead of saying, will you please just be quiet and leave me alone, eh? Maybe you hit, and the call goes away for a little bit, and you find a way in mercy to bring the tone of the car or the SUV 
down. Instead of raising the voice and raising the temperature to take things down with the word of love and kindness and mercy. You see, God beholds us in His mercy. We confessed our sins this morning. We did not come back with a punch card and say, now if you want to make satisfaction for your sins and get friendly with God, here's all you got to do. Rather, we let God's cross speak and tell the story of His love for you, a story of mercy and forgiveness. Our lives are built up in that. And our lives are also built up in the grace of Jesus. Now, grace is a beautiful thing. Our culture likes to think of grace as license, where you just kind of do what you want, and then you have to be nice to me because, well, you're gracious. But grace is that undeserved love of God for us, meaning that when God looks at us, He looks through the cross of Jesus, and our offenses are reckoned and removed in the blood of the Savior. They're not piled up to be reckoned later. They're not somehow leveraged by God who says, well, you know, I got this, I'm holding against you. Rather, God beholds us in His love and His mercy because He looks at us through the cross of Jesus. And so that idea of being built up in our families, it affects our thinking in the best possible sense. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, what better way to behold your children and grandchildren, your sons and daughters, than around the grace and the mercy of God, so that being rooted and built up in the marvelous peace of mercy and grace, that your family reflects that. The children are raised with roots in grace so that they know that when they do something wrong, they're not going to have their... And they grow up with confidence. And they grow up with a sense of peace. And the relationships in our family that are grown by grace and mercy are of the very best relationships that we'll ever have and experience in our lives. And when they need you the most... Not just to get them up and paste their hair down and make sure they have their little slippers on and stuff, but when there's transformational pieces of life like going to college or being removed from college or trying to figure out a job or losing a job or trying to afford a house in Orange County at 30 years old. When you're rooted and built up and it affects your thinking, you set a platform to be able to provide focus and love and a pathway for the most important thing that God has delivered to you. Built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, and overflowing in gratitude. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? For family and friends, you get a star. What are you grateful for? Pets. What kind of pets do you have? A dog. A dog. Very cool. I got a turtle. I love my turtle. It's low maintenance. What are you, what are you thankful for? For what? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. You like the nuggets or you like the hamburger? You like the sandwich or the nuggets? What's your favorite sauce? Chick-fil-A sauce, of course. What's your favorite thing? What are you, what are you, favorite, what are you grateful for? Thankful for? Your, what? Jesus, very good. Give yourself a star. 
What are you grateful for? Shelter. Very good. You have a nice house? It's comfortable? You don't live in like on a street somewhere. You have a place that's happy. Good. What are you grateful for? Church. Very good. You and the Jesus guy get a donut after church. You're great. What are you grateful for? For your family and friends. You know what I'm grateful for today is the way that your little jacket just shines in the beautiful light. You look so pretty today. I'll do three more. Food. Me too. In the back. What are you grateful for? For what? Shelter, me too. So is she. One here, what are you grateful for? I'm thankful for worship. Faithful for worship. You, Jesus, and the church guy can all have donuts. You're great. Everybody's grateful for something. In the back, what are you grateful for? For Christmas. Me too. I love Christmas. You get time off and you get presents. What's not to like? What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? You see, in Orange County, we have an attitude of more. But to have an attitude that's filled with thanksgiving is transcendent. And this culture screams more. And the culture screams, you got to have this. And if you don't have this, then you're not enough. You're not going to make it. You don't have it. No one of those kids said, well, a pile of money. No one of those kids said, well, I need a new Ferrari. Right? Shelter. What a beautiful way to say that, Nick and Neil. I need shelter, right? There's four pieces of gratitude that I want to leave you with this morning. And if you want to write these down, I think you'd be blessed to, to hang on to them. One is that gratitude is inclusive. We're grateful for the good things and the painful things. Because without the painful things, it's extremely difficult to, well, none of us have lives that are all filled with good things. I got a guy with a yellow sign on the corner all week. Okay, I guess the call of inclusive gratitude is to be grateful for all the things, good and bad, house and home, food and shelter, good days with children and difficult days with children, right? The dog hair on the floor, but the dog that cuddles with me on the couch, all of those, right? Where we're grateful for everything. It does something to your attitude and to your heart that reminds you that life isn't about you. Gratitude is attentive. It's taking a look. It's when you're out walking or hiking or mountain biking or the soccer field or at the hockey rink or whatever of a million things you got to do that you look and you say, you know what, I never saw that before, but I'm grateful for that. I never heard that song on the radio like that before, and man, do I love Luke Bryan, right? The little thing. Gratitude is attentive, always looking, always understanding, always looking for something else for which to be grateful rather than finding something else to gripe about. And then gratitude is contagious. We want to send your kids home every day after school, and, and, and we want them to be little contagions of gratitude for you. Did you hear what we did? Did you see what we did? Did you understand? Blah, 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 blah. And when you drop them off, we want them to infect with gratitude, their friends and class and people they know and love. One of the things that's neat about our church is that there's a sense of gratitude about it rather than a sense of griping. 
And gratitude is contagious, and gratitude is beautiful. And gratitude reminds you that if all you have for lunch is a frozen pizza, then that's just as good as eating the most expensive caviar at the knife pleat that there is. Gratitude is contagious. And the last piece, gratitude is theocentric. When you can talk tomorrow and say, we went to church and blah, 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 and what did you talk about? Well, we talked about the theocentric nature of gratitude. Would you like me to talk about it? Theocentric is a million-dollar word that means God-centered. Gratitude reminds us that the world does not revolve around us, but around the narrative of the Lord. And there's something that takes my life from being really big and really anxious and really dissonant and all the content and all the stuff and moves it down to this and lets me give it to the Lord and say, you run the universe, not me. Gratitude is inclusive, attentive, contagious, God-centered, theocentric. And what does it produce? Some of you had this as a wedding verse because I read it at some of your weddings. Colossians 3, 15, 16, and 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Rooted and built up and overflowing with gratitude. In the name of Jesus. Amen.